welcome to the Pin to Profit Podcast. This show is the fiction author's one-stop shop for all things writing, from pinning captivating prose to the nitty-gritty of grammar to tips, tricks, and insider advice on marketing to turn your passion for writing into cold, hard cash. Because the only thing better than writing the next great American novel is making a fortune doing it. Am I right? With our guidance, you'll be raking in book sales faster than a cheetah on roller skates chasing a squirrel with a winning lottery ticket. So grab a cup of coffee and let's get ready to go on a rollicking ride into the realm of writing riches. Because the Pin to Profit podcast starts now. All right. Good morning, afternoon, or evening, all you Hemingway hopefuls and aspiring Austins. My name is Ray Evans, and you are tuned into the Pen to Profit podcast. I am your host and friendly neighborhood copy editor and proofreader. And I've got a real, really special guest for you today, uh, Kimberly Noel Sullivan. And Kimberly is an author. She grew up in the suburbs of Boston and in Saratoga Springs, New York, my home state, although she now calls the Harlem neighborhood of New York City home when she's back in the U.S. She studied political science and history at Cornell University, she's a lot smarter than me, and earned her MBA with a concentration in strategy and marketing from Bocconi University in Milan. Afflicted with a severe case of wanderlust, she worked in journalism and government in the U.S., Czech Republic, and Austria before settling down in Rome, where she works in international development and writes fiction any chance she gets. She is a member of the Women's Fictions Writers Association and the Historical Novel Society and has published several short stories and three novels, Three Coins, Dark Blue Waves, and In the Shadow of the Apennines. Uh, I'll have her correcting on that pronunciation, so I probably just butchered. Her first short story collection, Drink Wine and Be Beautiful, will be released in May 2023. After spending years living in Italy with her Italian husband and sons, she is fluent in speaking with her hands, and she loves setting her stories in her beautiful adoptive country. So before we get started, can you say hi to the audience, Kimberly, and tell us uh, what is your favorite novel or book and why? Thank you, Ray, and thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Um, well, uh, for my favorite book, it is so hard to choose, but my my favorite authors of all time, and one of them has a birthday today, is uh, Jane Austen. And uh, I absolutely love everything that Jane Austen has written, and I'm also a big fan of Edith Wharton. And um, she has also, since I'm living in Italy, she's just wrote some beautiful things about Italy, also about gardens in Italy and architectural, but also beautiful short stories. So those are, let's say, my two favorite authors but I'm such an avid reader. I absolutely love so many authors and so many contemporary authors and short stories. So I'm constantly reading. Oh, wow. Nice. Nice. So how long have you lived uh, in Italy? Oh, goodness. You're going to date me, Ray. I'm uh, 25 years. I oh, could wow. lie and say I came over as a baby, but not true. But it has, <laughs> it has just flown by. It's incredible, but a beautiful, beautiful country. Oh, wow. Italy is actually uh, on my bucket list. I've never actually uh, been overseas or to Europe, but you know, I, I actually watched The Godfather a couple of times. It looks like a very <laughs> beautiful country, as long as you just watch out for the uh, exploding cars. So Absolutely. <laughs> so yeah, um, just like 
going over your bio, I was kind of curious. So you used to work in, te in television journalism. So mm -hmm. as a journalist, did you cover like a, uh, I don't know, like a specific uh, like subset or specialty, or do you just do stories about whatever interested you at the time? Well, I, I love politics, so I have done a lot of political reporting, but I uh, worked a lot in economic reporting when I was in um, Prague because I was there. Uh, it was then Czechoslovakia when I moved over, also dating myself. But it uh, the wall had just come down. And of course, it was a fascinating time. So there were a lot of stories as the country was changing very rapidly. A stock market was just opening. They were having a lot of private companies that were starting at the time. So I did a lot of economic reporting there as well, which I also enjoyed. But everything from politics to culture to economics, every once in a while I'd get a sports story in there as well. So that's the fun thing about journalism that you can just switch between topics. And I don't think it's that different from being an author either, because you can also switch from topics that interest you. Oh, interesting. So uh, personally, I really don't uh, like watch like the news or read the newspaper uh, my personal theory is that uh, like social media like facebook twitter uh TikTok, youtube podcasts etc have kind of like uh supplanted like traditional mm -hmm. uh like mainstream media and they're able I to agree. provide people with like uh real-time updates uh on thing on world events uh that are going on so i was kind of curious um could you go into a little bit about what initially inspired you to leave journalism and how long has it been since you've actually done that work yeah, no, I, I would agree with you today, Ray. And I must say that uh, I used to be a news junkie and I used to follow it. And I'm just not as fond of, um, let's say, mainstream media as I was at the time when I was in it. And I'm not at all upset to be out of it. <laughs> so, you know, I left, I left journalism quite a long time ago. So it was quite different when I was there and working in radio and television. Of course, the whole world has changed since then and media has changed since then. But already it was getting a little bit more into entertainment entertainment a little bit more you know what i think that's so nice my personal opinion of um like podcasts what's so interesting about that is that you can really get guests on to have more than the soundbite and you can have discussions and what i always like doing is getting people with different views together to have discussions of over different topics and someone who thinks on one side of the issue and someone who thinks on the exact opposite side and getting a civil conversation and i i do think that we've lost that a little bit now i think that that's what i really enjoyed when i started off and um and i'm glad to see i do not see it so much in the traditional media but i see it a lot in in podcasting and yes also in social media so i like you i'm a big fan of that today oh yeah i totally agree i like podcasts too well obviously that's why i'm doing this <laughs> podcast you know right now uh so you might have had an idea that i kind of like the platform but i totally agree there does seem to be uh a lot of the mainstream mainstream media outlets now it seems to be like kind of like one sided. there's less yeah. uh, of like a discourse of kind of trying to tell you what to believe but yeah. um like i just mentioned a moment ago uh like social media as kind of like democratized like i would say that the flow of information uh from events to people um so with you being an author i personally think that social media it definitely is uh, indispensable uh, for authors who are looking to market their works. So I wanted to know if you could explain to me and to the audience, uh, how, if at all, do you use social media for uh, promoting and marketing your books? And what platforms have been most effective for you based off of your uh, firsthand experience? Yeah, well, I think that uh, as many with social media, I'm always learning. So I certainly don't say that I'm an expert, but I'm learning, let's say, on the job. 
However, I entirely agree with you, Ray, that social media is really uh, an author's best friend. So I know a lot of people, which I fully understand, you want to spend your time writing and you want to be completely immersed in the writing and you don't necessarily feel that you have to do the marketing. But sadly, uh, yeah, it's, it's very hard, I suppose, Stephen King or J.K. Rowling or something, if they don't want to market, I suppose they could get away with it. But uh, for the mere mortals, I think that it is necessary. And I'm an indie author, so of course, uh, much more so than others. But more and more, we see traditional authors really have to learn to market. They're being asked by their uh, publishers as well to take on a lot of the marketing. So I think that the first thing that uh, when I speak with authors who are asking that, I always say, just start learning it get into it, get your feet wet and start doing it because it is particularly useful. Um, yes, I for for what I like to do, of course, you can't do everything. So I the other thing is not spreading yourself too thin. For instance, I do not use TikTok. I know lots of other people love TikTok. They really, but my audience, I don't think that my readers are as young. I don't think it's really a TikTok. I don't think that's where I have to spend my time. Whereas if you're doing young adult or other, you know, other fiction for younger, new adult, then yeah, that's something that you'd want to consider. So I think you should, you know, not try to spread yourself too thin, start off with one or two that you enjoy. Um, I've long been a blogger. I like blogging. I blog um, pretty consistently twice a week that I've been doing for what, 12 years. Um, and because I love traveling, I often write about travels on one, one time a week. And then another uh, day I post either about writing or reading. I do lots of book reviews because I love reading. I love reading other authors' works. I love discovering new authors. I'm on NetGalley, always getting uh, advanced reader copies. So I like to give a shout out to other authors and do book reviews. I like to talk about my own writing process and what I'm doing. So it just comes naturally to me. And once you do something like that, you can use that as content on other social media platforms. So Instagram, you know, so, th so that people don't feel that they have to invest so much time in each and every one. If sometimes right. if you do one thing, then it can add on to others. So it gives you automatic content for Instagram or Twitter or other things you're using. So just to clarify, Kimberly, so you're saying is that, well, first of all, I, what I just took away from that is our uh, consistency. You say you've been blogging for uh, like 12 years and, you know, that's and twice a week. Uh, I'm not good at math. That's why that's why I work in publishing. So that's like hundreds and hundreds of articles. So I'm sure uh, your site would definitely have lots of like SEO and backlinks due to that consistency of you sticking with it. And you also mentioned um, the significance of like repurposing uh, that content, like you said as well. So I, I imagine if you had one blog article, you could easily turn that into maybe I don't know, like a week or two weeks worth of you know, like Instagram uh, stories or carousels. So it's not just kind of like a one and done type of thing you can constantly be repurposing and disseminating that content. And just another thing I took away from that was like you had mentioned that uh, your audience is like a little bit older. So I'm assuming you've done some sort of like a demographic research on who your readers are and, and who are buying your books. And you probably figure that they're uh, not, I guess, teeny boppers who are looking for, you know, like the latest dance craze on TikTok. So I actually wanted to follow <laughs> up with that. Like, how did you uh, find out uh, where like those demographics for like your audience, how did you find that information? Well, yeah, I think with, with that, also indie authors have a little bit more of a challenge with that. So I do get to know a lot of, I mean, one of the things that I didn't mention because it's not particularly social media, but as you know, Ray, one of the most important tools you have as an author is your author newsletter. And I was also someone who, uh, 
I don't want to say resisted it, but it seemed like an extra task to do a newsletter. Um, however, there you also own all of the email addresses of people who choose to subscribe to you. You're sending things out. When there's a launch, you send directly to them. And uh, so I do tell all authors that I speak to, start your newsletter, even when you're just starting, even if you just have a few numbers, start building it up. The author newsletter is actually a really good way to start learning who your readers are or who your core readers are because you know you get to know them a little bit more sometimes you have some back and forth they respond to you you speak with them so these are you know a lot of readers that i know have come back um i do now have i just had my my fifth uh publication that came out last uh last week actually um and so i know a lot of the readers who came to it and that i heard from they've read my other books so i you know i have an idea of who they are and um you know it tends to skewer more women uh, because I write women's fiction and historical fiction. Uh, and yes, it tends to, I mean, of course, I'm thrilled if, if younger readers come, but I, but from what I understand in speaking at it and through some marketing um, tours that I've done, you know, people who choose to join the marketing tours and everything, it does seem to, you know, I, I know a little bit about what the average, uh, the average age and, and, and gender of, of many of my readers are. I see. Got it. That's actually a very good point because you had mentioned uh, with the newsletter uh, versus, say, like uh, Instagram or Twitter, uh, if that platform, well, actually, it's not Twitter, it's actually X now, which actually brings you to the next point I'm going to make. Uh, when you're using social media, you really don't control that audience. No. Uh, the algorithm could change at any time or even the ownership uh, going back to exactly. Twitter could change and you could completely lose uh, lots of followers and that reach. So it's definitely important, like you said, to try to build a newsletter, uh, try to have a funnel. Do you use like any sort of like, I don't know, like a lead magnet or anything to entice people to sign up to your newsletter? And if so, uh, what do you use? I what I what I know a lot of people use, which I should use because I write a lot of short stories is, of course, a reader magnet of short stories. And a lot of uh, friends of mine use that as well for newsletters. However, I've I've done a lot of giveaways and I found that to be very useful as well, particularly if they're targeted, because I, I write both contemporary and historical. But when I have something historical, the books, I usually try to get on with other history, historical fiction writers onto a news to a giveaway and then you have people who are in newsletters and what I found with that is you're usually really hitting your target audience because it will be very specific it will be um you know for instance I have one that's a world war one so the people who would sign up to that would already be interested in that period of time and um you know I've, I've done others that were exactly I have a Jane Austen inspired time travel so people who read that they're interested in that period and so I do tend to find that that's that's quite helpful these giveaways that are a little bit more targeted than just a general giveaway to everyone who might just want I mean that's fine that they want a free book that's, that's welcome as well but it, you want to as much as possible uh try to target the readers who are interested in your type of 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 work and your type of genre right that's a that was a really good point so i guess i was thinking what i was thinking i wanted to ask you next uh there's a question i get from uh, a lot of my audience and clients that i work with could you uh walk me through what your book launch process typically looks like i was a I was uh, snooping on your Amazon page and I see you have a title on there called Drink Wine and Be Beautiful. It looks like as of today, it has around 40 reviews. And so that's not that's nothing to sneeze at. So whatever you did, you know, actually worked. So, yeah, could you walk me through the process for your launch for that particular book? Uh, 
pretty much what did you do to, to be a little more specific what did you do to build anticipation pre-launch and what did you do or have you done to maintain the momentum post-launch yeah no no that's a that's a good question and i wish i had all the answers to that so i have what i do but this is the kind of thing that i always ask other authors as well to understand what they do because we all want the uh the magic bullet on that one i think <laughs> however uh, you the one that you selected is actually a, a nice example for me because drink wine and be beautiful um is a is a collection of short stories and when i first started thinking about publishing and when i decided to go indie i was very interested in publishing a collection of short stories. And basically what I was hearing from agents and uh, publishers and was that short stories don't sell, don't even think about it. And it's fine, I write novels, I understand that, but I said, I'm going to do this short story. I absolutely want to publish this because I love short stories. And, um, you know, one of the things is that I, because I've learned languages, I, I love when I go to a new country, the first thing that I do is pick up short stories to read because you can't just only necessarily jump into a novel. Right. So I know people also who are learning English, they love to read short stories. So I think there is a market for it. Um, and so when I, I was a little bit nervous about publishing that because I thought, oh, goodness, probably five people will read it. And, um, you know, I would have been happy, honestly, if that had been the case, because it was something that I believed in and I wanted to get out. And uh, so I was excited to get that out. And, um, and I was thrilled because it started getting very good editorial reviews. So that made me really pleased that it that it got out. And then I started doing some uh, book tours, um, which are, you know, all virtual now where you line up also people to read your books. And then I started doing um, uh, arc reading as well from, you know, the advanced reader copies. And I put everything on NetGalley. I know I've, I've I listened to your show. So I know you've spoken about NetGalley a lot too, with the uh, hub where librarians and also arc readers come. And that's, that's nice too, because you get some feedback from librarians. So I do know that it has been purchased for libraries, which is wonderful for me um, as an indie you know writer especially that's it's a little bit harder to get that uh, so you really try to push for it so yeah it's um I think it's a long you know it's not just yes it, it are it launched in May and it's still going on but I still need to get build up a lot more uh, reviews and more readers but it's nice to hear that people are reading it and they enjoy it and as I said that was just a bonus for me because it's something I believed in so strongly and wanted to put out there and had been kind of told it wouldn't sell so for me and I have to say I'm actually kind of pleased because it also won uh three awards and oh, so wow. congratulations for me for me it's just <laughs> yeah the kind of the icing on the cake yeah so uh you did mention something in there uh that you were doing like a uh, book tours so I was a little curious about that. Now, uh, these book tours, the virtual ones that you did, uh, did you organize these yourself or did you have like a publicist uh, that arranged everything for you? Yeah, so there are, uh, yes, you could organize them all yourself. And I do have friends who do do that. Um, but this is already my moonlighting job and I have to have to uh, <laughs> put the line down someplace. So I usually organize it through a book tour service and I, I have worked with, I, I do a couple of them, but um, I have done one for a few times now that also uh, does a lot with women's fiction and historical fiction. And so that works out quite nicely. And, and I have to say, I'm quite pleased with that as well because many readers have come back, you know, multiple times. I've done uh, four of my 
five uh, books I've done through one particular book tour. And it's just nice to see that some some readers who come back every time and uh, you can also build up a little bit of a following that way, which is which is, you know, really quite, quite nice. Uh, that's interesting. I, I knew that there are organizations that did book tour that didn't know there were ones that were like genre specific. Yep. Uh, just for people who might be curious, do you want to shout out the name of uh, some of these companies that you were using? That you were satisfied with sure, the results of? Sure, absolutely. Um, so I use uh, Kate Rock uh, book tours. She doesn't just do women's fiction and historical fiction, but she seems to have quite a few followers who do that. So she does go more broadly. And um, and in fact, I've invited her to one of the associations, the Women's Fiction Writers Association uh, that I do, because I invite a lot of people there who work in different, uh, in different services and areas. And I know a lot of my fellow authors in that organization have worked with her. Mm-hmm. I also work for historical if, if people don't know it, it's called the History Quill. And that's a fantastic service that works both in historical and in contemporary. They've just added a new service that does other genres. And they send it out to early ARC readers as well. And you have another group of voracious readers. So in addition to NetGalley, which of course is well organized in this, I think that these are quite nice services to make sure that you're also reaching different individuals. Oh, that was good to know. I will make a mental note of that and I will include, I will use my Google magic. I will find their websites and I'll include them in the show notes of this episode. Fantastic. So I guess my next question, I drew a blank for a second. So my next question is another one that I get uh, a lot from various authors that I get through via email and uh, text messages. Um, And I wanted to get your uh, particular insights on that. I know there's more than one way to do this, but how do you determine uh, what to price your books? Yeah, that's uh, that's a good question. Um, and in fact, I often what I what I often do is I kind of have set them the same. I think I I get the impression that there's the, the sweet spot for eBooks is you know two ninety nine to four ninety nine. Yeah. Um, going more than that, it's it, it's it's. I mean, I can say that even as a as a reader, as an avid reader, I mean more than that for an eBook you tend to go uh. <laughs> and uh yeah i think that the printing costs when you're an indie publisher that kind of uh you know a lot of my books tend to have a difference when you are doing the print what the print costs are and everything for paperbacks because i still just i still um i don't know how you feel about that ray but i tend to sell a fair amount of paperbacks i do think it's important I know others go just by ebooks, but I think that, you know, at least for, I don't know if it's genre specific or not, but I tend to, to sell paperbacks too. So that tends to be the more the sticky one. Um, but I tend to do a lot of sales, like especially when I'm launching, like now my novel that's out now, I just had a BookBub special on it. And of course, then I did the 99 cents for the for the first weeks and everything. So I don't have any problem bringing it down, but I tend to yeah, stick a little bit with, with that. But it's not an exact science. It's not that I... <laughs> That's just what I go by. God, it's no formula. I understand. But that's interesting how you sell a considerable amount of uh, paperback books because uh, most of the mm-hmm. people that I work with are doing uh, like ebooks. And actually, I don't know if you've ever, do you actually uh, have audiobook versions of any of your books? Because that, that industry is actually, it's been increasing year over year for about uh, the last like 10 to 15 years. I actually did a uh, an interview with a, with a woman uh, named Becky Parker Geis who actually uh, runs an like an audiobook company back on episode 13 would be in the show notes, by the way. And, uh, you know, she back basically walked through the entire process of uh, doing audiobooks. But yeah, do you have uh, audiobook versions of any of your books? Are you considering doing that at any point to reach I, like a greater like market? 
Yeah, I, I, I do not, but I am uh, considering doing it. And in fact, I've listened to most of your episodes and I find them so helpful and they're really <laughs> it, it, great in bite-sized pieces. And, uh, and I've also sent it to author friends of mine who are just starting on something and maybe need that. So really, really uh, seriously, very nicely done tool for, uh, for all writers, but I think particularly indie, indie authors, it's, it's great. And I saw that you had one on audiobooks, which I am also going to listen to. I haven't listened to that yet, but I have gone to a few sessions on audiobooks. Um, yes, I do want to do it. It's just a question of the fact that between marketing, writing, getting things out that I haven't yet done it, but I'm, I'm not an audiobook listener myself, but I ha I know there are so many people who are, and I have had so many um, readers as well who have told me that they would like to have the audiobook. So I am going to, I am going to do that. So your podcast comes in perfect time because since I'm studying this, I will, uh, I will definitely dip back and, and see that. Oh, perfect. So yeah, and definitely I will actually um, send you uh, the link you can actually book a discovery call with uh becky parker guys and her team you know and they can Fantastic. talk about if you're a good fit uh for you know doing audiobook versions of any of your uh current existing works so i, I guess my next question i wanted to go a little bit into uh like your writing process um as far as like your writing process goes do you f like follow a like a strict writing routine uh, where you write like for a set number of hours uh, every given day, or is your process where you say it's more fluid and spontaneous? I think I like the way you refer to it because it sounds very good to say fluid and spontaneous rather than <laughs> haphazard. <laughs> I like yours. Um, no, I write when I can because yeah, I do have a full-time job. And so I, I squeeze it into every precious free moment that I can do. When my kids were younger, it would be like super late at night and, and trying to squeeze out time. Uh, now I have a little bit more time, but yeah, I do, I do write when I can. I would love to have more time. And in, in the future, I don't know if I continue writing when I retire, then I am sure that I will be very dedicated every single day. But I, you know, it, it adds up. And this is something that I also tell people because I think that people feel that you have to have dedicated time every day to, to be a writer. And I always tell them, no, you can do it. It can be your second, I mean, it, you know, many people, for most people, it is their second job. You can put aside a little bit of time on, on weekends and some, some evenings, but if you can't get to it, you can't beat yourself up about it. And it, it really adds up. I'm lucky that I'm quite a, a quite a quick writer. So I tend to write uh, quite quite quickly and um yeah and i started publishing in in 20 in the in 21 the end of 2021 and i've already put out five publications so you know it does it does add up even if you don't have the time dedicated each day um I also, because I do historical, I tend to do a lot of research for the historical. I love history. Uh, I studied history undergraduate. I, I spend a lot of time going to the archives here in Italy where I live and going to see this. So that also is something that you you need to factor in. If you're going to do historical fiction, a lot of your time isn't even going to be writing. It's going to be research. So um, yeah, I, I, I really have the impression that it's kind of like instead of the tortoise and the hare, it's the tortoise kind of plodding along and, you know, the time that you can put towards that, it's going to pay off. And um, yep, that's, that's pretty much what I do. So no, I don't have a daily, I, it's definitely fluid. I see. Oh, actually, I wasn't aware that uh, you had a full time job. So what kind of work? What kind of work do you do a uh, full time now? 
So I, yeah, well, I've been for 23 years, actually, I've been working in international development. So that's working with uh, many developing countries on projects right now. I've worked in different aspects, but now I'm working in socioeconomic development projects so those are projects with gender with trade getting access to trade so working all over the world largely and um, many of our projects are in sub-saharan africa uh, maghreb countries in the north of africa and in asia i see so, so completely like a different fascinating but completely different <laughs> line of work which is why i also enjoy you know doing completely creative <laughs> work i as see well. so is this like a is this something you do for like uh i don't know, like the italian government or is this like a like a non-profit or like a private company just kind of curious. It's, yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a, a big organ, an international organization. Ah, so. I see. Got it. Okay. So I guess my next question is still kind of geared towards the uh, writing process. Um, how would you say that uh, you deal with periods of like writer's block or low creativity? Do you have any like uh, particular like strategies or tricks that you use to kind of like work around or work through that? I. I don't actually, ha I haven't had, luckily, uh, at least until now, writer's block, because I have so many projects on the horizon that I want to work on, that uh, it, the, it's more the problem of actually having time for all of them. Um, because I write historical, I'm also fascinated by so many different topics that I start researching, and that gives me ideas for other ones. So even if I'm working on a novel, um, right now I'm working on something uh related to sports in in Italy uh, under the fascist regime so under Mussolini's regime and I'm and I'm doing that and of course I'm very dedicated towards what I'm doing but I'm coming up with so many other interesting things that I already have an idea of other novels I would like to do so I think you can be flexible like when you're preparing for something and maybe you've hit a rut uh, to try to you know look at something else another project that you might like to do also maybe it helps that i switch between genres so i do a contemporary i do short stories and i do historical so um, and short stories for me um i hate to always be selling short stories but because i love them uh short stories are really bite-sized stories so if you ever had i would assume that if you ever anyone ever has problems with writer's block it might be a good time to try a short story right and and get yourself out of it you don't have to then it's not so complex you don't have so many characters you don't have so many scenes and then it gets you you know your creative juices you know flowing and then you can get back into uh into novels again right, awesome uh so when i was looking at your uh the uh, four books that you have currently listed on your amazon page it looks like between all of them uh you have hundreds of reviews uh by and large, the majority of which are positive. So what role would you say that uh, reader feedback, either from those reviews or from like beta readers or advanced reader copies that you've uh, given out, uh, what role would you say that reader feedback overall has played in uh, you know, like shaping your writing style and subsequent books uh, that you've released or, or are working on? Yeah, no, that's a great question. Um, all are important, reader reviews, positive or negative. I think uh, the the other advice that I personally would say to authors is, you know, get used to it. You'll get negative reviews too. Develop a rhinoceros skin. It's part of the game. <laughs> you should expect <laughs> yeah. it. You can also always get something out of the reader reviews when it's negative. Um, you know, some of it, it's going to be whatever. They don't like your genre. They don't like something like that. And that's not going to really be a difference. But some of it, you know, there's always something, something you can get out of it. What I really like, though, is even before getting to the reader reviews that you also mentioned, which are 
beta readers um, and that to me and ARC readers, that to me is super important. And one of the things that I have discovered as a writer that I think is so important is that we writers, as you know, we tend to talk to other writers a lot too. So when you send out, uh, which is great, because you know writers are a very talented group right. and they know a lot. But when you send out for beta reading just to other writers, I think you're missing the opportunity to hit readers as well. So I have started being very careful to not have, I do have fabulous, trusted, wonderful beta readers who are writers, but I wanna make sure that I'm hitting what people expect in the genre. And so I also reach out to readers who are beta readers. Um, another service that does that beautifully is what I mentioned to you, the History Quill. They also have a beta reading service and those are readers. So they will tell you specifically um, and without, you know, making it diplomatic or anything that this hits it or that doesn't hit the expectation. And I think as a writer, that's fabulous. I mean, however you want to do it, if you have a newsletter and you want to ask people, I know a lot of writer friends who have uh, experience with that and it works out very well and I might start doing that as well. But I think you should try as much as possible, particularly with the beta readers, because that allows you to also make changes or things that you thought were clear that were not clear and it's gone through an editor and everything. But there there can still be things that can be very useful that way. So um, yeah, I'm a, I'm a big fan of, of beta readers. And yes, I mean, I as, as everyone, I welcome all reviews and uh, I'm, I'm okay if people don't. I mean, of course, I'd love everyone to love my work, but you know, there are there are authors who I love who maybe I haven't loved one of their books, you know, it happens. So right. uh, I don't think authors should ever feel or you know, people might not like your writing. That's absolutely fine. I think it's it's just something to be expected. But uh, I think all authors, we, as you know, we're, we're, we're just happy for all reviews. Yeah, this is pretty much that every time I interview an author, I always ask some uh, permutation or variation of this question. And I kind of pretty much get a permutation or a variation of the same response. And I wholeheartedly agree with that. Yeah. Uh, I always say that uh, feedback and reviews, et cetera, the criticism, it should be taken uh, seriously, but like not personally. Because if someone says, oh, I didn't like the book because there was a plot hole in chapter three, well, that's actually an opportunity, you know, to kind of like improve. And like you mentioned, uh, some people might not be into like historical fiction. So you, you can't really be like everything to everybody uh, as well. So it's kind of like, you know, to take what you can from that and try to glean any sort of, you know, constructive criticism that you can use to improve in the future. And so, uh, like when I was reading your bio, it looks like you're a member of several different associations and organizations like the Historical Novel Society and the uh, Women's Fictions Writers Association. Can you tell me about uh, what those groups uh, specifically do? Uh, do they cost anything to join? And like, what benefits do you think that uh, you've gotten from associating uh, with those groups that helped with like uh, your professional development as a writer? Yeah, no, no, I'm, I'm a big fan of, and this is the advice that I also give to other authors right away, and particularly indie authors, is right away, <laughs> find your genre and find your group and find your tribe, because that's really makes such a difference in your writing career. And I mean, practically everything that I've learned, I mean, of course, I've always been an avid reader, I've always loved writing, but I learn so much because they offer craft classes, they have writers groups, they have write-ins, um, we discuss aspects 
aspects of business, you know, and marketing. And, uh, and as you know, it's a constantly changing environment of how things work, how Amazon works, how Kobo works, what's changing. And so you can't right. keep up on, on top of it all. And the lovely thing is you always have someone who is an expert on one area. Plus we get people come to come in. We get librarians to come in and speak to us. We get uh, historical researchers to come in and, and discuss. So you're always learning something. And I think if you're going to be an author, um, yeah, you're, it's, a, it's a constant learning curve, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, you. Yeah. This is this is one of the things, and I both of them. So for the historical novel society is absolutely fantastic, and they have. Um, so yes, both of them do have uh, membership fees, but they're they're quite reasonable. And uh, the historical novel society also has a wonderful magazine uh, with reviews of historical novel, not just members, but other historical novel uh, that come out every year, and it's quarterly. So you always have a great idea of all of the new publications. They have absolutely wonderful um, conferences once a year, every uh, odd year. So 24, for instance, is the next year it will be in the UK and every, uh, excuse me, even odd years and odd years in the US. So that's fascinating too. I've been to them. They're wonderful. You meet fellow writers, you go to lots of, you know, sessions on it. And for the Women's Fiction Writers Association, I'm incredibly involved with that. We have uh, weekly meetings of the historical fiction. I am also working with a group there that we're putting together an anthology of, of many of our members that we're going to be doing short stories. The nice thing for that is that many are very experienced writers and some are new writers that we've brought along and this is going to be their first published um, work as well. So, you know, as a community, we do a lot of that. We try to do projects together. We, of course, uh, cheer one another on, answer questions, help one another with the launches. So, yeah. And then just when you need, yeah, when you need a shoulder to cry on, when you need to talk about something, when you, you know, the community is there for you, they understand trends, they understand what's going on in, in that. So it's, it's wonderful. And I, I really recommend, you know, because writing can be very solitary. I think that these communities that you can build are just fantastic. Whether you're a mystery writer, thrillers, fantasy, science fiction, there are specialized groups that are perfect for you and and to find people who are also writing like you are and writing in your genre so that's the first thing that I tell writers find whoever your tribe is find them and go chase after them and become part of it because you'll learn so much yeah it's like the, that like that old saying goes if you want to go if you want to go fast go alone if you want to go far you go with others Absolutely. so I definitely yeah, so it definitely sounds like uh, these organizations that uh, there's a lot of like education, mm. uh, like you said, you're uh, interacting with people who work in the same uh, in the same genre as you. So they know the conventions, like you said, the marketing. Uh, so I would imagine even if there is a fee, I'm, I'm not even going to ask you how much they cost, because it sounds like it's more of an investment, a long term investment yeah. in like your career and your development. So and it's definitely I, I can tell you it's I think they're around fifty dollars. So it's really for an annual fee. So it's really not a huge investment. Yeah, that, that's like a that's like a tank of gas here in the US. Yeah. <laughs> so I see when I come back home. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh yeah, definitely. So like I always tell uh, authors, regard if you don't know where to start looking, if you just simply go to Google and type in whatever your genre is, uh horror writer and do plus exactly. writers association you're going to find uh like mm -hmm. multiple uh organizations because uh, as an editor i actually uh do a lot of advertising with these various organizations because they let me advertise in their newsletters or sure. in like their magazines and etc and it puts me right in front of you know the type of people that you know i definitely want to work with so yeah i would definitely say if you should if you're whatever your genre is 
Christian romance, uh, historical mm-hmm. fiction, mystery. There's definitely like an ecosystem or a community of writers who know about Absolutely. the specific nuances of that particular genre that uh, you're writing about. And so whatever the cost is worth, $50, five, five, even 500 it's yep. it's an investment that you're making like in your overall professional development and career uh, for the future. So I would definitely th- say if you're a writer, you're not in an organization, it's definitely something that uh, you should consider looking into. And uh, so we're about wrapped up here today, Kimberly. So I wanted to know, uh, could you tell me in the audience where people could find out more about uh, you, your books, and what you're currently working on? Absolutely. Um, my author site has all of the links there. So it's KimberlySullivanAuthor.com. All together, Kimberly Sullivan author.com and um yes and so there are also my links to my social media and all of my books and and everything there and uh currently yes i am working on the anthology for the uh, historical fiction for the uh, women's fiction writers association our historical group and i am also working on a um i've never done a series before but i'm now working on a series of contemporary that takes place in here in italy uh, which is uh the the uh, second book of my three coins, which will be a series. And so that is contemporary Italy. So I'm not doing much historical research for that, but I am also working on a, um, yes, a World War II uh, fascist era Italy uh, around uh, truck and field. So that's where I'm doing all of my research now. So those two will be my next books coming out. That sounds good. And so again, that website is KimberlySullivanAuthor.com. Not to be confused with Kimberly Sullivan the uh, piano juggler who rides a unicycle. I like how you put the author in so people don't confuse you with the other one. All right. And that is it for today. This has been another episode of the Pen to Profit podcast. This is your host, Ray Evans, signing off. Have a great day, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to the Pen to Profit podcast. If you've enjoyed hanging out with us today, swing by iTunes or your podcast app of choice and leave a rating and write a review. And don't forget to hit that subscribe button to get more of this grammar goulash delivered piping hot to your ear holes every week. And if you're looking for more tips, tricks, and free trainings that aren't available anywhere else, click the link in the show notes to join the Author Success Hub Facebook group. It's one part mastermind group and one part creative writing workshop. Except you can attend in your pajamas without judgment. Plus, you'll be mixing it up with fellow authors who are all about that writing and profiting life. Until next time, keep putting pen to paper and turning those pages to profit. Ciao.